Good morning, everyone. Shabbat Shalom. Invite you. <clears throat> Invite you this morning. To open your chumashim, to open your books, your chumashim, your Bibles, the red chumash, to page 137, page 137, verse 53, page 137, verse Torah that we have before us, this tree of life, Eitz Chaim, that our people have grafted themselves onto for centuries, millennia. Each and every week we return to the stories of our ancestors to both learn how not to be and how to be. Sometimes the heroes of the Torah are shockingly difficult characters. We don't always want to do exactly as they did, and often we want to do exactly as they did. The Torah replenishes us big myths universal stories about creation about jealousy and struggles human and transpersonal all at once our tree of life Rabbi Akiva the great the great second century sage who is all over the pages of the Talmud the greatest mind of his generation Rabbi Akiva when there was a ban by the Romans on learning Torah and people were afraid to learn Torah, Rabbi Kiva said, it's like, he said, it's a parable, an analogy said, like the fox saying to the fish, come here onto dry land and I will protect you. That we need Torah. That our greatest source of strength is Torah. Our greatest source of strength is community. Our greatest source of strength is found here in these sanctuaries. And so we come here this morning both to be comforted by Torah but also to be buoyed by Torah, to be lifted up by Torah, to be defiant through Torah. We're marching with our feet here today. We're praying with our feet today. So the Torah will tell us a story this morning of Abraham, whose wife unexpectedly, Sarah, dies. We're not given any forewarning. The end of chapter 22, after the Akedah, the binding of Isaac, seems to, of course, seemingly turns out well. But on the aftermath of that trauma, of that horrific event, the Torah doesn't have any verses telling us, and Sarah was sick, and she was old. But Tamat Sarah... Chapter 23, verse 2 just says, And Sarah dies. 
And Abraham comes to comfort, to eulogize, to cry, and to find a burial place for his wife. And as we spoke about last night, this rising from the ashes, this Abraham with this unspeakable loss engages the community around him in an acquisition of a burial plot for his wife. And chapter 23 ends with Abraham essentially buying land in a land that was promised to him as a gift. And then chapter 24, the longest chapter in the book of Genesis, the chapter that is entirely devoted to the future, to rebuilding, to ensuring that there would be continuity, that there would be life after Sarah through Isaac's chosen mate, through choosing a wife for his son Isaac. Abraham turns in this chapter to this work and the entire 67 or so verses are devoted to this complex matchmaker, matchmaker, make me a match. The servant of Abraham is brought in. He's sworn an oath. Promise me that you will not bring my son back to where I came from, but go back to the land of my father, back to where I was born, and bring for me, bring for Isaac a wife. In remarkably reminiscent language, exact, precise language of the language that was used by God in chapter 12 of Genesis to call Abraham forth from the land where he was. He invites Eliezer, his servant, unnamed in chapter 24, but known through the tradition as the servant of Abraham. He says, you will be an Abraham. And the woman chosen will have to be an Abraham. She will have to leave the land of her birthplace. And so Eliezer kind of leaves and he takes 10 camels with him. The text makes us aware that there are 10 camels. Camels, camels, camels. And he stops by a, a little spot, Ein Hamayim, by a little uh, water source, a watering hole. And there's a bear, there's a well there. And Eliezer turns to God in the text and says, God, here, here's the test. I want a test. If the one, the woman who comes out and approaches me, if I ask her for some water and she gives me water, but then not only gives me water, but gives my camels water, 10 camels. That's a lot of water. If she preemptively does good without having been asked, if she knows how deeply my camels must need water, and me too. That's the one that you've proven is the one. She's the one. Anybody ever make signs? It's like, then I'll know. He wasn't even finished saying it. And Rebecca, it's a very powerful verb. She left. She exodused. She leaves she separates herself from the pack. There is no pack. It's just her alone. Rebecca Yotzeit. Latzeit means to leave, to exit. Could have said, and Rivka, bye. She came, but she left. The first act of leaving by this heroine. She leaves something. She separates herself. She stands alone. 
And so Eliezer turns to her. He doesn't just turn to her. He runs. Vayaratz. He runs. Likrata. Vayaratz. He runs to her. And he says to her, can you give me a little bit of water? Can I get a sip of water? Maybe. And she says, oh. She doesn't ask. He says, can I have a little bit of water? She says, oh, I'll give you everything. She she gives him enough water until he had finished him like he had had gallons he was he, he wasn't and then without asking she says to him what I'm also going to go and run and get water for your camels the text says and, Eli, and Eliezer was standing there dumbfounded no words wow how could it be? The very thing that I had asked is manifesting before my eyes. I hadn't even said, here it is. It's unclear from the text if it's only because of that synchronicity and that kind of confluence of events that he's blown away. He could also be blown away because, wow, someone who just selflessly brought enough water for 10 camels. That's pretty remarkable. And maybe he also knew not only was it true that he had created the perfect sign for someone like Isaac because someone like Isaac was going to need someone who knew how to water a parched individual who might not ask for it someone like Isaac was going to need love that was that was intuited kindness that was unsolicited premeditated goodness that wasn't dependent upon some other thing someone who would know this Rebecca, who appears for the first time, not here, but right after the aftermath of Dakidah in chapter 22, whose first emergence on the scene is in the aftermath of the trauma of Isaac, will become the one who replaces Sarah for Isaac. But most importantly, she acts as an Abrahamic figure. One who is selfless, one who is running, one who is agentic, someone who knows how to heal brokenness. Someone knows what it is to say, I will stand in the breach. She's given a number of opportunities to say, no, I don't want to go because, of course, it's scary to leave your family behind. It's scary to leave the culture. It's scary for her to emerge and to continue to emerge and then to leave. And so, in your Chumashim, we'll read this morning on page 127, 137, excuse me, verse 53. And now the Eved, Eliezer, the servant of Abraham, takes in kind of these vessels of gold and silver objects and gives them to Rebekah. He also gives presents to his brother, her brother and her mother. They eat and they drink. They eat and they drink. The angels that were with him were the men. And they slept there and then they woke up in the morning. And they said, Shalchuni Ladoni. He said, Send me home. But her mother and her brother, her brother first and her mother, let her stay with me, stay with us some more days, maybe 10, 
And then, Telech, then she can, Achar Telech, then she can go. Vayomer Aleyhem, Alte Achiroti, Vadonai Yitzdiach Darki, Please don't make me wait. After all, God has made my path successful. Shalchuni, send me. Give me permission to go that I may go to my master. And they say, well, stop asking us. It's not up to us. Let's ask Rebecca what Rebecca wants to do. Will you go with this man? Vatomer Elech. And she said, I will. Every year when we read this, I can't not think of Rabbi Jill Hammer's amazing Torah. The sermon you gave must have been four years ago, three years ago, three or four years ago. I will go. The power of Rebecca, whose name, by the way, the letters are the same letters as the morning, Haboker. And it was in the morning that he woke up and said, send me. Rebecca is the rising sun. The inevitability of dawn. The inevitability of hope. The inevitability of those who are heroines like Rebecca, who hear the call and say, safety is behind me. It is a little bit dangerous before me, but I'm going to go. Like Abraham, who came before my great uncle, I too feel the call to leave the safety of my privilege, to leave the safety of my family, to say, I will go. Man, Rebecca, we need you now. Rebecca doesn't go because Eliezer brings gifts. She doesn't go because there's a lot of, you know, it could be great for me there. She goes because everything in her says, this is what I was born to be. To heal, to stand in the breach, to know even that which is unspoken, to sit with strangers who are parched. This morning's open up, this morning's aliyah, this morning's standing with. Which in our community means that anyone is free to come forward to the Torah if you feel called by this call. Don't wait for a gabai or a sexton or anybody to come along and ask you. But if you feel called this morning, by Rebecca's example, I will go. I will go canvas. I will go. I will go speak. I will go hold. I will go stand with. I will go speak out. I will go write. I won't be silent. I will hold the space. I will stand as the morning sun rising on a drastically different landscape than it was a week ago. We can no longer be silent. We can no longer countenance language that is vitriolic and venomous. We can no longer say that what happens to black people in the South or around the corner or to Latinos or to people of color or to trans isn't happening to me. And they can no longer say that what happens to their Jewish brothers and sisters doesn't happen to them. We are all in it together, all of us. It is the morning, the light is clear and the call is obvious. 
And so we should speak out when UCLA invites people who speak about Zionists and say we should kill the Zionists. And our brothers and sisters in every community should say that is not language that is acceptable. And when the Israeli government speaks about Arabs in a certain way or Palestinians or Muslims, we should all say that is unacceptable. There is no longer a margin anywhere. Because when hate is unleashed on one group, it finds everyone. Our sacred traditions ask that much of us. And so we are all called on the spot. When my friend Avram Molotek, an incredibly beautiful young rabbi here in New York, gets onto a subway here in New York, wearing his yarmulke, and, and someone says to him, you Jewish? And he says, he says, you a good Jew? And he, and he says, I try to be, brother. And the man says, no, you're a fake Jew. And no one says a word. Al-Talmud, al-Dam, re'echa. We are not allowed to stand idly by by our brother's blood. And brother now must be construed this way. We don't have time. And we don't have the liberty to become inured and become defensive and protective. It's understandable to have the pogroms and the Holocaust and Western Europe and Eastern Europe, all of it going in our heads. It totally makes sense. How many of us weren't thinking this week, could it happen here? Yeah, it could happen. How many people weren't thinking, oh my God, what's next? It's all there. But look around, look at all of our brothers and sisters who come together. I sat on Sunday morning here in this church right over there as Alistair Drummond spoke about Roman, spoke about how he would stand with us and he was here last night along with members of the West End Presbyterian Church and Imam Talib from down the block and Bishop Simmons, I think it was, from up in... And all, we're in it together. Rebecca's going to show the way. The morning send us, says Eliezer. Morning has come, send me on my way. And then Rebecca says, I'm going with you. And we all say, morning has come here in the United States and we have to be sent on our way. What will we be deployed to do? How will we double down on love? How will we double down on goodness and kindness? How will we double down on speaking the truth, even if it comes at a cost, because we can't pay it any longer? We have no more reserves in that bank account. We have reached bankruptcy. We must pay now, forward, everything we do and loan each other what we have. Hey, you need 10 bucks? I'm going to stand with you here. Let's go. Let's do it together. 50 million strong, 100 million strong, a worldwide revolution for love's sake because when it comes for one, it comes for everyone. Haboker, this morning. Rivka, Haboker, this morning. Please rise if you are feeling called this morning to come stand with Torah and to stand with Rebecca. And if everybody wants to rise, we can all rise together as well.